everyone, and welcome to Televisions, the podcast, an audio companion to the Televisions website and a show made by Anglophiles for Anglophiles. I am Lacey Barger-Milas, and I'm the editor here at Televisions, and joining me as per usual is my co-host and associate editor, Miss Annie Bundle. Hello. Hello. How are you today? Hanging out in the closet still. I don't know. I've come to kind of like the closet. I don't know if it's a long-term solution because, like, eventually I'm going to unpack the rest of my clothes. So I don't know if my little podcasting table that I've set up in here is uh, uh, sustainable for the long term. But it's not bad. I- I'm glad that you, that, that you know, you are basically, like, having Stockholm Syndrome about this closet situation. I think that's great. Hey, I mean, it's also, like, not for nothing, but I grew up on a dirt road. This is, like, the biggest closet I've ever had in my life. Like. <laughs> It's like a tiny room. Hey, listen, I don't have a walk-in closet, so I really can't talk. So, you know. Um, yeah, I'm having like a lot of imposter syndrome about it. <laughs> All right. So um, what are we talking about today? I was really going to try to come up with a way to segue that imposter syndrome into our topic because it kind of would have been funny, but I can't. I'm not that good. So this is a little bit of a weird topic in the sense that this isn't a British show per se, and also due to some unfortunate acts of timing and our inability to get advanced episodes of the show, um, we are going to be dropping this episode on the day of its season finale. <laughs> so we're going to sound really dumb in places, I think, when like the last episode comes out. But the show is um, called Leonardo. And it is about Leonardo da Vinci, and it is airing on my favorite network, the CW. But it features a shocking lack of supernatural teens getting into trouble, and instead stars Aiden Turner, which is why we're talking about it, uh, of Poldark fame as the uh, most famous artist in history. It's There's a lot of, okay, happening here, and we're here to talk about um yeah i i, I want to say this uh this series is actually from uh rai um the italian network um which made it in production with sony pictures entertainment um sony pictures are, um are the people who brought you things like a uh, wheel of time for example um they're also they also own bad wolf so they are now the people behind doctor who I got real vibes. Like, does anybody else remember? I we I wish this was still on because I would definitely make us do an episode about it. it was this incredible French show called Versailles <laughs> that was mm. amazing. But it feels like that. But this is Italian instead of French. Yeah, and um, just so we're clear, like this was um. But since our last streaming episode, which was all of like a month ago, the CW has been sold and is now under completely new ownership. This was actually booked for the CW before that happened. That being said, the new owners are talking about basically um, reorienting the CW away from teens who don't watch broadcast. Rude. To uh, the people who actually do watch broadcast, which I believe the CW has the youngest demographic with a median age of 58. You know what? They are all watching Riverdale. I don't want to hear it. (laughs) This is probably true. But that being said, Leonardo is actually much more in line with the sort of audience that the CW is going to be aiming for. 
So I honestly do think this is a very important show for us to cover, not just because um, it has Aiden Turner being hot and taking his shirt off every so often, though not nearly as much, and um, that it also is uh, Aiden Turner with beard, which is a, a whole different endealment than Aiden Turner without beard. Um, but just because this sort of thing, you know, a, a show like Leonardo used to be the used to be the the domain of PBS. Like, other broadcast networks did not touch this stuff. It was either PBS or bust. And this is the sort of thing that we're now going to start seeing more of as these broadcast networks basically try and figure out what to do with the 21st century. Um, And, you know, the fact is the CW has been bringing over a lot of imports, especially in the summertime, to sort of cover things. Um, They have a lot of British imports, a lot of, like, Channel 4 stuff. A lot of Canadian stuff as well. Yeah, that's true. They have a lot of Canadian stuff as well. So I would not be surprised, like, especially, you know, the smaller broadcast networks like the CW, like Fox, um, the ones that don't have giant streaming services and, you know, monopoly production studios behind them are going to start dipping more into these sorts of programming like bringing over weird italian imports and french imports and so forth um all that being said um this is actually um despite it being aiden turner who stars this is actually not his project freddie highmore is one of is part of the driving force of this production which is unfortunate because he is incredibly miscast in this show it's a fascinating it's a fascinating choice because i thought he was incredibly miscast in the show and then i saw that he was one of the driving forces behind it and i was like no he wants to play this role and it made me really sort of like look twice at him um, and and the part he's playing and how this show plans to play out because there's a season two coming like already like this is like this was greenlit before it even hit American Shores. Yeah. Although although to be fair, I'm pretty sure they greenlit the season, the second season, like well before all the pandemic stuff happened. So who knows when we'll ever see it? <laughs> Because Aiden Turner is booked and busy. So. It, it's very true. He is. Um, He's going to be in the suspect next after this. So we're having an Aiden Turner fall, y'all. Um, He also has a beard in that one. So we are in the bearded Aiden Turner era. He is in his, his beard era. Yeah. Although I will say at least the suspect beard looks maintained. Yeah. Leonardo beard is It is everywhere. wild and woolly. And I, ha- I, I just, sometimes I just want to go up to him and shave. <laughs> anyway. It's very weird. Um. So how, you actually reviewed Leonardo. So why don't you talk a little bit about this? I mean, okay. So I think I've said on this show before that I have a soft spot for messy historical dramas. Uh, I was a big fan of, of the Mary Queen of Scots series Reign that aired on the CWO a few years ago, which is notable for not just its complete um, sort of abandonment of history, but it's very anachronistic fashion. Apparently everyone at French court loves a headband. Um, but I loved that show and I loved, I loved it for what it was, not for what it wasn't. And I think you have to kind of approach Leonardo in that same vein. Like the show is messy and it's sort of like a biopic, except they've made up a murder mystery to kind of slap on top of it, which, which is really weird. It would be a biopic if any of it actually happened. (laughs) Nothing about the murder mystery plot is from history. Katerina is not a real person. 
Um, I'm pretty sure the real Leonardo actually didn't have any female friends. He was sort of notoriously like not a fan of women. Um, in many in many definitions of that phrase. Yeah, this this show really does make him buy in a way that like is not. I don't even think it. I don't even think it makes him buy. I think it. I think he kind of. I think there's a weird sort of like coming out story at the beginning of the season with him and Katarina, but I think I feel like they need that. They they try to use that relationship to ground a lot of really sort of disparate events in his life. I think it's supposed to be more like a plant, like a guidepost than a real like love story or anything. Um, yeah, hit spoiler alert: Leonardo will not hang for this murder because history exists okay yeah you should actually let's back up a little bit so there's a murder mystery where there is this woman katarina who at the very beginning we have learned is dead and leonardo has been set up to look like it is him who did the murder and uh freddie highmore basically plays the guy who's questioning him um and demand and and trying to figure out if leonardo is actually guilty or not um now that it rewinds that basically we start with this in media res of them like you know basically arresting him and then we rewind back 16 years i think something like that to when he first meets katarina who is the victim of the murder um and he's a student at that point and she's a model and there's a sort of a weird meet cute kind of thing happening without it really being like meeting or cuting. He like has to draw her naked. Yeah. It's a whole thing. Yeah. He draws her scar. She gets upset. Um, it's 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 all kind of like weirdly awkward. Theoretically, the show attempts to kind of set her up as his first muse, um, which, again, this person did not exist and most of this did not happen. But basically the the whole Leonardo being in jail thing is kind of just the framing device for him to tell his life story to Freddie Highmore, the cop, who is trying to prove and eventually, I think, disprove that that he did anything to this woman that he cared about so much. And, and it's just like it's a reason for us to, like, go through Leonardo's greatest hit, basically. Yeah. Uh, Freddie play. Uh, Freddie's cop is uh, named Stef- Stefano Ger- Geraldi. Um He's it's a very odd role. He's truly just a weird cipher. Yeah, I have no idea. Like it's just kind of he's literally there for Leonardo to talk to. Yeah, and I don't quite understand it because like there are definitely actors who could be this character and feel correct in this role. But the thing about Freddie Highmore is that he is a really good actor. Like he is. Um, I don't know if anybody has watched the uh the Good Doctor, which is the show that kind of um, made him Bates Motel. Oh, hello. Yes, Bates Motel. There you go. Um, If you've seen Bates Motel, you know this guy is good. And so he's a really poor choice for a cipher. Like there are, you know, like there are people in, in, in Hollywood who have made entire careers out of being sort of like the guy that stands there. Yeah. The blank slate. Um, they, They're all on NCIS and, and CIA and uh, whatever that what, what, what uh, LSVU, um, you know, all, all of those letter shows that exist on C- CBS or from Dick Wolf and like. I don't understand why one of them isn't on this. And it once I understood that Highmore was actually like a producer on this thing, it made a little bit more sense. Except why did he cast himself here? 
weird. Yeah. You'd think he would have at least wanted to make himself one of Leonardo's assistants or something. He would have gotten something to do. Yeah, I know. Like, be Michelangelo. <laughs> I, I'm wondering I'm wondering if, if something will happen with season two where he gets more to do. Um, since I, mean, I maybe. Since I assume that this, this show ends with, you know, Leonardo getting out of jail and moving on with his life. Um, anyway, so as Lacey says, this then sort of skip, we sort of get this sort of skipping stone through history of, you know, Leonardo's greatest hits of history. Like, he, there's him as a student, there's him trying to get a patronage, there's him painting the fresco of the Last Supper, um, there's him building the war machines for uh, the Borgias, uh, at one point he meets a Medici, uh, you know, all, all of the sort of, he and, he and Mac- Michelangelo have the contest where they paint things across from each other and then they both quit halfway through because it they realize that it's ridiculous. Although in the show it's because of their dad drama. Yeah, um I I believe in in real history they sort of realized that this was ridiculous for them to compete like this and they walked away. Um here it's more of a it, it's much more emotional and, and Yeah, they like bond about their dads. <laughs> or something i don't know <laughs> this show is weird this like, show it's is so me- it's so messy but like i really enjoyed watching it like it's it's very strange because half the show is just completely made up out of a whole cloth and half the show is actually like full of surprisingly like true things mm-hmm. like uh ludovico sforza absolutely commissioned the uh santa maria della grazia for the last supper because his wife died like and he was so torn up about it. And, and can I just say, James Darcy as that character is—I I refer to him as El Moro, um, because he, he's basically the Duke of Milan. Um, he, uh, he is really good. I love him in this. Like, you know, I think he's really great. Like, and and the fact that he kind of turns on a dime and is like both enemy and patron, like depending on the day, is also like a real like he's just really good. Anyway, you're saying. I mean, there's just like there's so many little snippets in here that are real, like that uh, uh, Ginevra. I forget what her last name is, but the girl he, the first girl he does the portrait of, her her name is Ginevra to something. She's a real person, and that painting is real. That painting is here. You can go see that painting at the National Gallery. It's the only Da Vinci in the Americas. Uh, um, it's beautiful. And 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 you know, I also think that a lot of the uh, a lot of the, the thing is is that like I know a lot of Da Vinci's paintings, but I don't know a lot about his engineering. But I did just from googling get the sense that a lot of the engineering stuff that he does is also like true to life. Like he really did make these things. He really did invent mm-hmm. these things. He really did figure out how to basically make a cross weightless. Mm-hmm. That whole thing about the statue that he's supposed to build, the he's he's supposed to build this giant statue and it basically sort of gets stopped so he can so he can do Santa Maria della Grazia and paint the Last Supper. Like that was real. Like the model of that I think still exists. He never b- finished the statue, obviously, because they took all the all the brass, but or bra- a bronze, not brass. I know nothing about metal, I'm sorry. <laughs> um like and a lot of the all the stuff that he says while uh, he and his apprentices are are painting the Last Supper about perspective and and how you are supposed to feel like you're in the room with Jesus and all of the different competing kind of feelings and emotions that the different apostles in the in the paintings are having like all of that is true 
it's it's just so weird that so much of this is is accurate and so much of it is just completely like yeah i i mean it is a choice to make this a murder mystery let's be honest because i don't necessarily think that it adds anything to it i actually really resented it in the first couple of episodes because this is not a show this is about like italian renaissance painters there are no women here um so i was really kind of upset when they're like here's this one female character guess what she's gonna kick it (laughs) i was like very resentful about that um it's it's just it's just such a strange insertion especially because you know i say i say canonically but i really mean like historically as as much as we know about leonardo da vinci which admittedly like there are certainly large gaps in our in our knowledge of the man he what did not particularly enjoy women uh, either in a platonic or romantic sense. And the show does lean into that to some degree, although it doesn't make a big deal out of it, which I think is probably the right choice. Yeah, like they have him get arrested. They get they have him get arrested for sodomy and they say it's going to ruin his career and then they sort of shove it away, which is not a bad thing. Well, yeah, but then he has, uh, what is his name? Mm, Giacomo, yeah. maybe? The guy he ends up like sort of is with for the rest of the show. Um that he just kind of rescues from the streets, basically. I don't really know. I don't know enough about his life to know if that bit of it is true or also made up. But the fact that everybody basically assumes now that Da Vinci was gay is is something that the show does at least try to incorporate, which I guess I respect it for because I was like, oh, Lord, please don't tell me he's going to hook up with Katerina. But they never do. So I do, I do respect, like, they have a very codependent relationship, and I'm not sure that I think the series does enough work to really um to really sell me on on that level of codependency that they reach so quickly. But oh, where was I going? But yeah, but it's it also doesn't pretend that they were like romantically together when they weren't, or when it was unlikely that they would have been. Yeah. There there's sort of a sense that he might have slept with her like once or twice that you sort of get, which is why I sort of thought, okay, so we're sort of suggesting he might be by here. Oh, I or- never even got that vibe. I got the vibe that they that they kind of like came close to the line and never crossed it. Okay, that see, was how I interpreted that. I sort of got it as he tried it with her because he thought he was supposed to. Um, but that, you know, he decided he liked men better. And by the way, Sa- uh, uh, the Gian Gimoto, um, is actually a real person. Um, that is actually true. Uh, he really was, uh, 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 he really was somebody who was in Leonardo's, uh, household from like a ch- from childhood. Um, he was a student and he was quote unquote his lifelong companion and servant. Um, oh, that sounds like confirmed Bachelor Arthur from Sanditon. Yeah. So um, he's also, <laughs> just for the record, he was also the model for John the Baptist. Um, so I don't know if that will be part of like... In the... in. In in what? In Last Supper? Yeah. Um, or different? Uh, no, no, no. Like, Leonardo actually has a painting called John the Baptist. Uh, oh, okay. That, that, that is, that, that's supposed to be him. And so I assume that might come up in, like, season two or something. Um, I don't know. I only, like, to my to my shame, I only also really know a lot about, like, the greatest hits of Da Vinci. I know a lot about The Last Supper. I know a lot about uh, the Mona Lisa. I know a lot about Ginevra because it's here and I really like it. I think it's I think I think it's actually prettier than the Mona Lisa. Don't hate me. The Mona Lisa is so tiny. <laughs> it is this is the true thing. For our listeners who have like never been to the Louvre, the Louvre is A overwhelming because it's so incredibly crowded. And B, the Mona Lisa 
is tiny. Oh. This show is pretending that this painting is much larger than it actually is. Yeah, I, 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 um, I have been to the Louvre maybe three times at this point, four, um, over the course of my life. Um, I feel like I go about every ten years. Just like I end up in France and we go, um, and. I have never actually stood in the line to see the Mona Lisa. I have seen the Mona Lisa from afar with the line. And every single time I look at the line and I look around, I think to myself, I could see more of the museum or could stand in line and I go to the rest of the museum every single time. Our pastor did a sermon about the painting that's across from the Mona Lisa. Really? That's amazing. That's like like behind it. Not behind it, but like if you're facing the Mona Lisa, it would be behind you. Mm. Um, And now I'm like, I should actually pay attention to that the next time because I have no idea I don't I have no memory of there being another painting that's really <laughs> awesome anyway yeah so you know like I, I get that the Mona Lisa is sort of like the famous one but I feel like that stuff is also very much fictionalized like the whole like they try and give like Lisa shows up and they and he's trying to paint her and he's struggling with her smile and that's it and that Katarina was basically like the the cat like the 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 forerunner of this and he struggled in the same way and I I I since we know Katarina is you know made up I assume that the Lisa stuff is also fictionalized because like we don't know anything about her right like I'm pretty sure we don't I mean, I think we know like basic facts of like this was the this is the woman we assume this painting is based on. This is like who she was married to, that kind of thing. I don't think we know anything about what she was like as a person because let's not forget she was a woman in the 16th century, so nobody cared about what she was like as a person. Uh, oh, I do actually. Um, one of the things I discovered in Wikipediaing during watching these episodes and trying to figure out if like the boyfriend was real or any of that other stuff, um, is that Gian is actually supposedly maybe the real Mona Lisa. That people thought that's who that he was basically taking him and trying to make him into a woman. Oh, I'd never heard that. That's really weird. Yeah, like that's it. It's one of the many theories about the Mona Lisa. Apparently, there are several. Um, so I think that's actually. I thought that was really fascinating. Um, and it made me also stare at the character in a completely different light. In the same way, I was staring at Freddie Highmore in a completely different light towards the end of the season. <laughs> I swear, like I watched the first four episodes, and then like I I read a lot about like I I read up on the show and I read like about the characters and like the last three episodes I've been looking at it completely differently. Like, huh, it's sort of like I turned my head sideways. Anyway. I mean, I just think this show's kind of fun. It's definitely not... If you come into watching Leonardo expecting it to be, like, a serious prestige drama, like, just don't watch it. Because it is not that. Yeah. It is not even, like, trying to be that. It's not as, like... And when I say the word trashy about Rain, I mean trashy in, like, the fondest sense that I can use the word trashy because I love... I love that, but it's not it's not quite on that level as like Rain is. And again, don't send me hate mail. I love Rain. Um, but it's also not like it's also it's also not like HBO level serious, you know what I mean? This isn't like John Adams. I feel like I feel like it it sort of fits in the same vein as Bridgerton. Bridgerton has some historically correct elements, like um, but it takes a lot of fiction. And it's not self-serious. There's a level of uh, there's a level of not being self-serious here that I think is very key to understanding and liking Leonardo. Did you ever watch Versailles? Um, I only watched the first few episodes, but yes, I think Vers- uh, when you brought up Versailles earlier, I thought that was a really good comparison. 
I think Versailles is a really good comparison because Versailles is also very trashy in the same way, but I love it. By the way, Versailles is on Netflix, so people can actually watch it. Oh, is it? I re- I really enjoyed that show. Yes, it is. And the reason I know this is because the kid Lewis Partridge or whatever his name is, he's in Enola Holmes too. He's basically he's in Enola Holmes. He's basically really Bobby Brown's like uh, not exactly boyfriend. He is from Versailles. Oh, and that's how I know that Versailles is on Netflix. The girl from Versailles is currently on Nancy Drew. Oh, that's true. Uh, Versailles Ver- Versailles is doing well for itself. Um, Versailles is about Louis the. Louis the Fourteenth building Versailles. You would think, and it is equally like pa- playing fast and loose with sort of like the the truth of like it does not choose the facts of history when it can tell a better story. So, <laughs> um, it's it's that kind of show, but it's also I mean it's just fun. Like not every historical drama has to be like plottingly serious. I mean, you your mileage will vary on how you feel about this like really ridiculous murder case, which is not the framing I would have chosen for this show because it's it's not like it it's just it's such a strange choice for me because it doesn't add any tension or anything to it. I don't care enough about Katarina to really be invested in her death when the show starts. Um, I also can read, so I know that Leonardo is not going to hang for this crime. Uh it's just, it's it's just such a weird it's a weird and unnecessary framing like that is part the part of the show that I'm like least invested in because it doesn't matter. Well, can I just say you know you are also not the mystery person on this podcast no. and mysteries Fair. always don't really speak to you as someone who is usually into the mystery. I actually think it's completely useless and because it's not a mystery. Like I mean, I guess you could say it's a mystery of like did this woman die and did someone kill her, but. We don't know this woman, so nobody's invested in in her death terribly. We barely even know Leonardo when the show starts, so we're not really concerned about how it affects him. And we also know that Leonardo is going to be fine mm-hmm. because he's Leonardo da Vinci. He's not like his random assistant. You could have you could have sold me more if the random assistant was in jail for it. You know, and I would totally agree on that. Like that, there is um a level where where they fail to make it matter but that's i think partly because it doesn't matter and they know it that it's like they couldn't think of a better framing to get people to tune in because people tune into mysteries like i feel really like it was a default it's so weird to me because literally every time the show would like sort of pop back to that framing like whatever kind of momentum or stops dead whatever kind of was going on in the rest of it just like it just took me completely out of the rest of the story. It, it, it's it's a bit like a car crash. Like it's like why? Well, oh right, that thing. Okay, yeah. Um, oh my gosh, the t- the part where um, Freddie Highmore, don't know what his character's name is. Don't care. Uh, <laughs> Freddie Highmore goes to I guess like search Leonardo's workshop or something. Yes. He's literally like talking to a draft of the Mona Lisa, and I was like hiding under a blanket. Is so cringe. <laughs> like, what is the purpose of that? This character doesn't like is am, am I supposed to be invested in Freddie Highmore's yes. art that he like suddenly sees the value of art or something? I don't I don't care. Yes, I think actually I, I do actually think that knowing that Highmore is a producer here, I do actually think the answer to that question is yes. I don't think the answer is yes, but I think the answer is yes. But why? <laughs> he doesn't do anything. No, he like, doesn't. I guess it's great that he stops believing that Leonardo is like a wife killer. But but she's not his wife. But 
You know what I mean? Well, I mean, I was just trying to come up with like a true crime parallel. The that he <laughs> he didn't kill his muse? nebulous lady friend. <laughs> He's not a muse killer. There you go. But yeah, I I absolutely agree with you in this case. That the mystery is really um in the same way, you know, one of the things um I'm gonna bring up another like foreign show that got, came over here, Babylon Berlin, which is by the way, fantastic. Oh, I have not watched that, but everybody <sighs> tells me I should, including okay. you. Um and, and 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 you know who else tells you that? Nick tells you that, your boss. Um, because he watches these kinds of things on Netflix. But the point of the point about Babylon Berlin is that it's technically a police procedural and it's technically a police procedural because nothing else on german television sells people only tune in to police procedurals it's the only thing that really gets ratings on television the police procedural is absolutely useless and has no bearing on anything and really could go away but they had to have it because they simply could not envision a hit show that didn't have one and I feel very much like this mystery, that the mystery framing of Leonardo is sort of the same thing. I don't know enough about Italian television to know if that's the only thing that sells on Italian television. But I really feel like this is one of those things where it's a failure of imagination on anybody's part that they couldn't possibly have this without that hook. It's just it's so weird. I don't even mind Katerina being a made up character because I think Katerina is interesting. Like she's at least interesting to watch. I always enjoy. I always like enjoy a lady that's like out there doing it for herself to survive. Like, and she's a good audience stand-in. You know, like mm. one of the things about these kinds of characters when you make up these sorts of like fictionalized people to exist around historical figures is that they're usually the audience like entry point. And oh, it's like allow me to explain how pigment works, right? And- to you. And and she she does that she does that very well as a character, which is why like having her be dead from the beginning is almost is not a good choice because this is supposed to be the one you attach yourself to, right? And I do think that that I will say I have not seen the finale yet, but I I feel confident in in my prediction that perhaps our murder victim is not as murdered as murdered as we may suspect. But like, I just don't know what withhold if that if that is true. And I do actually hope it's true because I like the character and I just really think like basing your whole show around a dead woman is really lazy. But I also really feel like the show forced me to keep her at an arm's length for seven eighths of it at least because I'm like, well, she's going to die. So how much can I get attached to her? This is, of course, if all of she's not really actually truly dead but i don't think she is um as your resident mystery expert i am pretty damn sure that she is going to be that the big twist at the end is going to be that she's not do you think she like went into hiding with the kid that's where i met with the theory yeah i don't actually know like how he pulled it off or any of that stuff like that's the kind of thing that i am actually tuning in for at the end is to get the is to get the how but i'm pretty sure i know the what and i'm pretty sure and the moment I knew the what was when they introduced her kid and that she was trying to hide her kid from El Moro. Um, that was when I was like, no, she's not dead. She and the kid are in hiding somewhere. And that Leonardo did this to basically hide her. I think I missed the part where why the kid needed to be in hiding. 
I think there's a level of brutality that's that 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 she will be punished. The kid will be taken from her. That she will be ba- that basically he will take the kid right, from her. She's he will, an unmarried slut, right, and, and right. that he will either have her thrown in prison where she will die, or he will behead her, or what have you. And he will take the child as his heir, and she will never see him again. Um, that's basically what I got from it. No, it's never really spelled out. They never actually say he will kill you to her. They never actually say he will take your child. But that's sort of implied, I think. Okay, I think that's kind of the feeling I got. But I just didn't know if I, I like. Sometimes I don't, I don't pay incredibly riveted attention to the things that I'm watching. No, no, no. This is one of those things where it's sort of left a little nebulous. Like, there's almost a... uh, Like, there's a level where she almost doesn't want to believe that he'd do that, that if the kid got taken, like, Elmora would let her live or something. or, Or something. But obviously, no. I mean, and that's actually, again, the thing about James Darcy that I really like about this is that he... You know, we had so much sympathy for him when his wife died, and he was grieving so hard, and yet also he's a monster. <laughs> and 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 he will be a monster to Katerina and to her child, and we know this. Like, he has the capacity to be both. Um... I do. I also, I mean, that's that's the other segment of real life historical figures that pop up in this story. Like Ludovico, Ludovico Sforza is here. Um, Cesare Borgia is here and crazy. <laughs> I, have to, I have to say, like, this is really like I also loved the Showtime drama, The Borgias, um, which had a really hot Cesare Borgia. A much hotter one than this one. Let's be let let's be honest. Much hotter than like he's incredibly hot, and I was like, this is my Cesare because <laughs> he's like beheading his BFF, crazy. But I guess it does make sense because historically it is true that uh, uh, Niccolo Machiavelli wrote the Prince basically. I think about Cesare Borgia. Yeah, I believe so. That is exactly how I pictured uh, Machiavelli in my head. <laughs> um, it's very weaselly, kind yeah. of gross. Yeah, Veraccio, by the way, is also real. Like that, that really was Leonardo's teacher. Like so many of the characters that are that pass through. I just don't. Which is maybe why I keep being like, I can't believe they just made up this major character, right? Like completely, uh-huh. because they like the random people he like talks to are real yeah tom tom tomaso uh is is was also real like so many of these people that sort of pass through are real uh bernardo except like and yet there's this one character who like and i get also because they really sort of couldn't because there are no women and this is the only way to add a woman and i get that too but it's a little I don't know. Like I like, said, what does it say that you added a you added a woman to spend most of the show pretending that she's a dead girl walking? <laughs> what does that say? Or is dead girl walking? Um, if I am wrong, though, I'm pretty sure I'm not wrong. I don't feel like you're wrong. That's I started to get that vibe once that once the mystery kid was revealed, it had like a had like a witsec vibe going on. Yeah, with a lot of it. I mean, honestly, like. I don't think I was expecting as many historical figures to show up as do. Like, it's one thing for, for like, okay, okay, like, you know, Borgia shows up. All right, fine. Uh, Medici shows up, of course. Um, You know, his teacher, his real life teacher, like his real life assistant. But then Michelangelo showed up and I was like, dude, you know, if you ain't careful about this, people are going to mistake this for a show about turtles. Like, <laughs> right? Like, I really was not expecting. No Raphael. No Raphael. No, yet, of course though. not. But I was just, I was expect. that's what I was sort of expecting. Like, or that's not, that, that, I wasn't expecting that. 
and then like I was expecting things to be more fictionalized in that way. Does that make sense? Yeah, especially because because like they do. I don't know. It's just really weird that the this one big thing they're like, well, we will definitely make that up like a lot. And the rest of it's like mostly legit. Yeah. I mean, it's not anything I think you should like take a history test based off of. But I mean, it's not it's not Henry the Eighth doesn't wander through or anything. <laughs> I, I will say like. You know, I did say at the beginning of this that these sorts of that that these sort of historical dramas that star people like Aiden Turner um, are sort of the domain of PBS. But this one is one that wouldn't come to PBS either. Mm-mm. Like the 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 it's not serious enough. Yeah. I don't mean to like be like PBS only shows serious things, but like that's kind of their. I mean, this is not. I don't know. It's in a weird like like middle space. Mm. And I think that's why I w- that's why my first instinct is to compare it to Bridgerton because Bridgerton to me is exactly in that middle space where it would never be on PBS, but it would, but but it's more sheer, it's it, it, it's more historically accurate than you might think, and then also not in the slightest. <laughs> yeah, I think like Leonardo is slightly more serious than Bridgerton. I feel like Versailles is my best my best one to one for it because Versailles is like. Everybody here is having sex and on drugs. But also there's like, you know, politics happening in the background. Um there's less sex and drugs in this, but it has the same kind of like and maybe what if it has like a very um like it's very propulsive. Like it's very easy to just watch it. You know what I mean? Like stuff keeps happening. And maybe that's because all the history is sort of doled out in these bite-sized pieces of like, here is this famous figure, and here is this famous figure. And it just like it's go makes it very easy to go from one storyline to the next storyline, but it's like candy a little bit. I was also thinking of Da Vinci's Demons. Um, did you ever watch oh, that? Oh, I didn't watch that. Yeah, th- I mean, the thing is, is that like Da Vinci's Demons uh, is trying to show like the real history, I think. But, you know, it makes up stuff in the same way because there's so many gaps that don't aren't filled. But it isn't quite as obvious in its or it's differently obvious. It's not like we have put a mystery story in here because it's the only way to get you to watch levels of 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 fictionalization. The fictionalization is more is more natural, if that makes any sense. Maybe the other thing that bugs me so much about the mystery is that Freddie Highmore is not doing a lot to solve it. Nope, he's really kind of not. Though he did sort of once he finally showed up at 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 at, at the Leonardo's house and started talking to the painting. <laughs> Well, Mona Lisa knows everything. I think we have determined it's where the smile comes from. But you know, what I mean, it's not like he's not like investing, investigating like alternative suspects or anything. He just sits there so Leonardo can talk. Yeah, I mean, honestly, like I can see why you know this has gotten decent reviews. I mean, you know, you you liked it. Um, I'm I pretty sure it. I'm pretty sure Decider liked it. And like a few of the other places I saw that 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 reviewed this really did were like, yeah, no, it's decent enough. Um, I feel that's the thing is that this is decent enough. Mm-hmm. I put I have put like a lot worse things in my eyeballs this year. <laughs> I would say that, you know, I'm actually kind of glad it has a second season. And if- I would love to see what it does I, once it's free of of. I mean, because whether Katarina is dead or not, and I'm pretty firmly on she's not team, she's not dead. But like, there's just literally no way they can take that framing into a second season. No. So I, I'm intrigued to see like what it looks like without that. 
Like, have we at this point, um, kind of like on the Serpent Queen, like eventually Catherine's going to catch Kath- the story Catherine's telling is going to catch up to the life that Catherine's living. Mm. And I wonder if we're not close to that point on Leonardo, like will the story that he's telling catch up to where he is now and we'll have to, it'll stop being a flashback. Does that make sense? Yes. I, I think that that's not a, and I don't think that's a bad thing. Um, You know, I'll, uh, for example, um, I know we don't talk about House of the Dragon here, but this that's exactly what it's done this season, is that it basically spent like the first half of the season being in flashbacks, and by the end of the season it will have caught up with itself and the second and the second season will be in the present. In or the quote unquote present of whatever Westeros year it is. <laughs> um as as we are a PBS affiliated podcast, I feel like we should talk about Aiden Turner a little bit. Oh. Uh this was his first I, I'm pretty sure this was the first significant thing he did after he wrapped Poldark. And I think it's an interesting choice. It's still a period piece. He gets to keep his shirt on. <laughs> he gets to be a little bit more emotive, which I can see. Or actually a lot more emotive, which which I can see might have been a draw after five years of being Ross. Yeah. Um. Basically, like... This is um, Poldark wrapped in 2019, and this was basically his first thing. He also has a movie that he's done, which is not doesn't have a release date. And of course, then after that, there's The Suspect, which just finished airing in the UK and will be here later in the fall. Um, and again, like I feel, especially since we are in his beard era, that there's also a level where he's trying very hard to not look the way he did on Poldark. Um. Well, no, like I'm just also thinking He's sort of, of crazy man hair and beard. Yeah, and all, well, I'm also thinking about like you know he one of the things he did right around the same time was when Poldark hit was uh and then there were none where he looked very very different from um his look in Poldark. He had the short hair. It was very you know it was very uh upper class looking and it was very very hot very hot. Let's say not gonna lie. Um, I, 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 I do think that that he is trying to get away from hot here. Um, I think it's del- and I think it's deliberate. Um, I think I, I think that the, it's it's interesting because instead of using makeup or prosthetics or anything to indicate the passage of time, they have just simply decided to have him grow a beard, and. I don't know the beard. I'm not unless you're Chris Evans. I'm not really into people with beards. It doesn't super work for me. Okay, but it is large. Um, to I will say that. To be honest, I am a beard person. My husband has beard. I like beards. I think they're cute. But I also um, there, there's a running joke in our house that my that he's only allowed to grow it so big. Once he reaches sort of the wild and woolly stage, I'm like, listen, you you look like you don't have you look homeless. Could you please just shave? <laughs> Like just just cut it back. Here are scissors. Um, and I, I think that that's uh, I, Turner in this one is definitely beyond that level for me. Like no, he here are scissors, please, please. I'm begging you. <laughs> um, I, I'm very curious about the the film he made is actually a biblical drama. Um, where uh, Mark biblical drama. Um, who is he? Uh, <laughs> I'm so. I actually, I'm not curious slash scared. Uh, yeah. Well, um, he's Saint Andrew. I mean, we all we all know what happens when Russell Crowe tried to make Noah. Okay, That's all I'm saying. So, um, he's Saint Andrew, but he's not the starring lead. Um, it's Mark Rylance as Satan. What? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Con O'Neill is also in it. Um, and so is uh, uh, and, and so is Joseph Fiennes and Ben Kingsley. I have like a lot of questions. I do too. <laughs> this is one of, and, and as I said, this one doesn't have a release date yet. I don't know when it's coming out. I think maybe it might be twenty twenty three. Um, it's it's Terrence Malick who uh, who who directed and I believe also wrote it. Um. But yeah, I I I got questions about this whole like is is this supposed to be? I, I'm not sure if this is an Easter thing or if this is a, or or just a, a a vaguely Jesus Christy thing. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm like, I think Andrew was an apostle. Yeah, yeah, Andrew was an apostle. Okay, see, uh, Andrew was an apostle. Okay, and I'm trying to like, I think there was a story of he like cast out some devils or something i don't i'm trying to remember i don't yeah um the the thing that i read about it and the thing that actually the thing that remained with me was the uh the was i saw i'm pretty sure he gets martyred because he was one of the disciples so that means i'm pretty sure they all got martyred yeah um was and this was pre-pandemic times so i don't actually know what happened to this project for all i know it got shelved but the the thing that i remember about it is that it was um the guardian had a thing on it about how mark rylance was going to play four versions of satan that's the thing about it that has remained with me and why when i saw the title of it it's called the the way of the wind um and it's basically like a four version, right? And it was one of those things that stuck with me. And so, like when I was scr- when I was like looking through, like what else State and Turner? You done guys is- are like watching me learn about things in real time. These are how our actual conversations go. I this is I. What? Yeah. So when I was looking up, like, what else has Aiden Turner done since Poldark to see if there was other things, to see if there's something we'd missed. And I was like, wait, no, that's not the four versions of Satan with... Yes, it is. It's Mark Rylance plays Satan. Four different versions. Um, We'll see if this really actually, like, ever gets made. Because as I said, that was back in, like, um, it it it, it has no release date. And everything I remember reading about <laughs> well, it was... Now that, Hillary, now that Hillary Mantle uh, has passed... Uh, God rest her. Uh, I'm pretty sure they've got to finish Wolfhall too. Oh, that's true. They do. So perhaps not. But I, 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 yeah, I, I, I have questions. So many of them, and I really sort of hope this did get made, just so I can stare at it in shock and horror. I don't. <laughs> your I face. Don't if I could meme your face right now. <laughs> I know. Sorry, you guys can't see this because I literally am just learning about this as we go, and I like all of the people involved in this, but it just sounds like they all did a lot of drugs. So I don't know what's happening. <laughs> anyway, um, so yeah, that that that's our check-in on how Aiden Turner is doing these days. <laughs> I mean, I like to see him thriving. I, I keep too. reading all these rumors that they're gonna like bring some form of Poldark back, but I feel like, uh, like. I don't know. I haven't read those rumors from anybody credible. Um, I'd like if I would like him to come back in ten years. Like I'd like him to actually put the da- put it down and come back when he's the right age to continue the story. Since there's a ten year time jump, that's what I'd like to see. But I don't actually know if that'll happen. I don't know if the BBC would be interested. I don't know if Turner would even be interested. I'm just saying. I mean, I'm not going to be mad at him for being like, I want to do something else. I mean, we're not mad at Chris Evans for doing that after like, you know, half a million superhero movies. So, you know, you can't be mad at you can't be mad at Aiden Turner for being tired of doing Paul Dark. Um, but yeah, uh, I, I actually am looking forward to The Suspect, um, which is going to be on AMC Plus and Sundance Now in November. 
Um, I believe right around the same time The Crown comes out, so it may get really drowned out. But, you know, if you love Aiden Turner, put it on your calendar and don't forget. I'm excited to see the finale of Leonardo because I don't actually have a screener for it. So I will be interested to see if my Katarina is alive theory comes to pass. Um, and what they do at the show in a second season. Yeah. I don't know. I just, I don't know. I love shows like this, so I hope that they make more of it and make more shows like it. Italian Renaissance history is vastly um, underrepresented in the period drama space. It's really, all the Sforzas and Borgias and Medicis are really interesting. Yeah, I'm here for it. And I hope that the CW, the new owners of CW, decide to bring season two back. And, you know, if they decide to make more of this kind of stuff to, like, bring in, like, us older girls, um, you know, instead of watching Riverdale and going what, how, why, who, what, where, when, and, and wait, they own a speakeasy? Um... <laughs> <laughs> in the basement of their chocolate shop. It's fine. <laughs> I don't know. So weird. Yeah. Where's my Katarina Sforza show? people let's do that instead um yeah i wish we had i wish we had timed this a little better so we could actually talk about the finale but we'll have to go back and talk about it in season two whenever that appears i i will watch it because i'm a sucker for these things um annie tell the people where they can find you on the internet uh, you can find me at Annie Bundle on Facebook. You can, No, I'm sorry. You can find me at Annie Bundle on Twitter. You can find me at Miss Annie Bundle on Facebook. You can find pictures of my very fuzzy cats and their very fuzzy tails at Annie Bundle on Instagram. I am a staff writer at Elite Daily, and I am the associate editor here at Televisions. And I also freelance around the web. So uh, if you want to know what I wrote this week, just basically, you know, go to my Twitter because I retweet all of my bylines. Um, right now, I've been writing a lot about Hocus Pocus 2, which is far better than it has any right to be. Welcome to spooky season. Um, when did we start calling it spooky season? Like, who made that up? It, like, came out and... You it... shut up. It's great. Okay, it's fine. great. Leave it alone. Fine. October is the best month. Um, I don't even really like fall that much, but I love Halloween. So, spooky season. I'm ready. Uh, I, <laughs> For me, personally, I am Lacey MB on Twitter. And that is L-A-C-Y-M-B. And like Annie, I write a lot here at televisions and around the entertainment web. But I always tweet my byline. So be my friend. I don't know. See what I'm yelling about. It's probably something. The site and the pod are on social media at tele underscore visions on Twitter and televisions blog, all one word on Facebook. We have an exciting website at televisions.org where you can check out news recaps subscribe to our shiny new newsletter and click on that donate button up top to help us keep making all this great content for your eyes and ears by doing so you can get access to pbs passport which has all manner of exciting early watch opportunities binge exclusives all kinds of things that are not on air right now for you to keep watching if all the stuff that's happening this fall is not to your taste it's October. Yay. Get candy for the neighborhood kids. Pet a black cat. They're not that scary, I promise. Drake is the best black kitty. Except for, like, Baker and Hammer, who are also really great black kitties. Thank you. Because it is October, that means it is definitely officially fall. So go get your COVID booster if you're eligible, and please get a flu shot. It will help protect all of us, especially the most vulnerable members of our population. And also, it's just a cool thing to do. They might even give you a lollipop my doctor does uh, as always thanks for listening take care of yourselves and each other and we will be back next week 